How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I am your overly caffeinated host, Zach Hicks, as always. I am super pumped after this game. I know you guys are getting this at midnight, so you guys are all probably still jumping around after such a big win. But the Redskins just beat the Seahawks at Seattle. Who saw that coming? With 21 guys on the injury report and four starting offensive linemen not playing. Who would have saw that coming? I, I Nobody, because I predicted the Redskins to lose by at least two or three touchdowns. I thought it would be lucky if we lost by two or three touchdowns. But I am super pumped all over the place right now, so I had to bring on a guest to kind of calm me down. We've got Nathan Britton from Rigo's Rag and Breaking Football on today. How's it going, Nate? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. And anytime, man, anytime. I'm, I'm all over the place, so you're going to have to be the calm one on here today because <laughs> – uh, I, I might lose my train of thought, I might stutter, I might start singing halfway through. But just real quick, what are your thoughts on that big win? Well, I think a lot a lot of credit given to, I know a lot of people like to bash Kirk Cousins, we put every everything he does under a microscope, but I think for him to not not only keep us in the game, but with, with our back against the wall and do something that he's not really used to doing, which is stretching the field and going down the last minute, I think a lot of credit is to be given to him and what he was able to do there on the last drive, and on the opposite side of the ball, the defense, I mean, this dude, this this team has had a bunch of banged-up guys. Greg Minuski's turned this band of misfits into a top-ten defense. It's just credit all around for those guys containing Wilson and keeping that explosive offense in check. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, they are an explosive offense, and I know they do not have the best offensive line in football. It's not very good at all, and our edge rushers definitely took advantage of it. But to keep in mind, the Redskins were without – Mason Foster, without Monte Nicholson, without Ioannidis, and without Jonathan Allen, among other players, too. I can't even name them all. There's a lot of injuries on this defense, even. And the Redskins came in and just punched them in the mouth. 14 points given up, or not even 14 because the safety was two of them. So, what, 12 points given up to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? That is outstanding. What are your thoughts on Minuski after a big game like that, though? Great job? Yeah, great job. I and mean, you got Terrell McClain come over from – Dallas, and he, he wasn't really doing too much, and then he has that big sack on Russell Wilson there to pretty much ice the game. They really got uh, Will Compton going. I mean, credit to him for coming in and filling for Mason Foster. He had that big interception and almost two more. I think those two guys really deserve a lot of credit in getting into this defense and getting them to reach their full potential. Exactly, exactly. So Nathan and I are going to go into kind of more depth here. We're going to. I usually do good, the bad, and the ugly, as you guys all know who listen to the show. But today I don't really think there's much ugly. And maybe just because I'm feeling it after a big win, so maybe I'll go into some ugly tomorrow if I really think about it. But right now, I don't see any ugly. This was beautiful. I was, you know, grinning from ear to ear, and I still am. So we're just going to go good and some bad with this one. So to start with the good, I'm just going to name a couple players who I thought played great. Kirk Cousins as well. I'm not going to say he was great by any means because the game was not a great game. But down the stretch, those throws he made to Brian Quick and Josh Doxson, outstanding. And I know you're a big Kirk Cousins guy with me, Nate. So I know it was big for, for you to see it as well. So Kirk Cousins, how do you feel about his overall game tonight? With Kirk Cousins, I think we put a lot of pressure on him. With the price tag, we, we put every throw under a microscope. And I don't think that – and I know it's it's not fair to the player to sit there and say, well, you know, he needs to be Tom Brady, but it's also not fair to give him, you know, a pass on everything. However, I think that for him to pretty much manage the game, not really make any crushing plays – and then be able to take the ball in his hands and go down the field like that in the final drive, I think it, a lot of credit goes to him and being able to manage with that offensive line in that such a loud environment. I think he did above what you needed him to do this game. Exactly. Like, again, it wasn't a Tom Brady, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers-type game. It wasn't his 
his game against the Packers last year or his game against Oakland earlier this year. But he came out, he managed the game, didn't make any crucial mistakes. The fumble, you know, he did fumble, but again, no crucial mistakes. The Redskins were able to stay in the game because he didn't make any big mistakes, and he managed the game. He got points on the board when he needed it, and he came up huge on the last drive. He beat Seattle on a final drive with, what, four plays on that drive in Seattle with that crowd going crazy with four backup offensive linemen. That is something outstanding. You know, put money on that. If it was that Kirk Cousins going to lead them full field on a final drive to win it in Seattle with no offensive line, would you have, you know, taken that bet? I don't think you would have. I don't think anybody would have. So a lot of credit goes to him. No, man, I'm one of the biggest Kirk Cousins supporters out there, and there's no chance in hell I would have taken that bet right there. Kirk Cousins going down, again, <laughs> going down the field against one of the best defensive lines, against the Legion of Boom that has Bobby Wagner out there too with four offensive linemen that are backups and no receiver he can trust, along with Jameson Crowder and Jordan Reed both out, and Kirk went right down the field in four plays and scored a game-winning touchdown. That is outstanding. Not to mention, with a run game that's so bad, they all know where the ball is going. They understand with Kirk Cousins. So for him to be able to step in the pocket and make those throws, man, it's incredible. And, you know, hats off to him, hats off to Jay Gruden, the receivers, and everybody. Exactly, exactly. So our next good that I kind of want to mention here was, I know the backup off the line did give up a lot of sacks, and the running game was not great. But it was an improvement from last week, and it gave Kirk enough time, and especially late in the game, it gave Kirk enough time to make those plays. So what was your take on the on the backups today, the, all those backup offensive linemen? Man, I mean, I know we were all sitting on the edge of our seats a lot of times when Kirk was getting thrown to the ground, and, you know, you go on Twitter and everyone's, he's got to get rid of the ball, he's got to get rid of the ball, $24 million, you got to get rid of the ball. These are backup linemen who are getting blown up every single time. But aside from that, when, when they were holding up, I mean, they wouldn't have, Yes, you wouldn't have been able to tell that they were backups. I mean, they played very well. They got exposed every now and then, but for the majority, they played very well, and I'm very impressed with them. I mean, you know, you're not going to get that every week, and for them to come against Seattle, that's impressive. I'm with you 100%. So big big credit goes to Bill Callahan with that, getting those guys ready. And you know what, big, you know, you got to give big credit to where it's due. So TJ Clemmings, even though he did get beat quite a few times, he played all right at left tackle. Eric Quandro, who we cut in the offseason, who I wrote an article for Breaking Football saying why we should cut him. He played pretty well. <laughs> Chase Ruye, a six-round pick out of Wyoming, again, played really well. And Tyler Catalina, undrafted free agent out of Georgia, who thought he was going to be playing left tackle going into this game, also played well. So big props to those backup linemen. I think they played better than what any of us could have thought at all. And we should take a moment to appreciate what we have in Morgan Moses. to playing through the whole season with two sprint angles, just holding up. Baron, like he does, you can't ask for much more from a starting lineman. He's, he's as tough as they get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Mo- Moses has been gutting out this year, and he's really showing that he is worth that contract we gave him in the offseason. So, Definitely. Yeah, so we are going to jump into the good of the defense here in just a second. But I just want to let you guys know we have a big week here on Locked On Redskins. We have, for guests this week, we have Justin Gamble of Draft Bible coming on later in the week along with Robbie Duncan of Redskins Capital Connection, and Josh Mensch of the Purple Report, who's a big Vikings guy. All will be on the podcast this week, so big week for Locked On Redskins. So be sure to tune in throughout the week for all those big guests. All right, guys, now to jump into the good from our defense. I mean, I just want to kind of say good overall, because, I mean, was there even was there even one player who didn't play well in this game on our defense? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, you have Dunbar, who... Uh, you've heard the story, wide receiver just a couple years ago, playing exceptional. DJ Swearinger really stepping up, doing what he needs to do, being a vocal leader and a leader out on the field. You have Zach Brown, who I don't think that the uh, Redskins should board the plane until he has a new contract tonight. Yes. Yeah, and uh, 
How about D'Angelo Hall coming back, you know, what, 33 off of ACL, coming back, playing the amount of time he did, almost had a interception in the end zone final play. So, I mean, all around, good job. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have any negatives for this defense whatsoever. They played their asses off tonight, and you could see it throughout the entire game. And even these backup defense linemen, Terrell McClain, Ziggy Hood. I mean, Ziggy Hood's been a starter all year. These guys played. Stacey McGee, was Stacey McGee played a lot this night. And the big one, the big guy who finally had his big game that we've all been waiting for, I think you know where I'm going with this, Anthony Lanier was given up. Yeah. had so many pressures tonight. What was your take on Lanier's game? It's coming out pretty, man. I hope we see a lot more of it with Jonathan Allen down and Matt Ioannidis up. Who knows how long we need someone to step up and for him to come out and have that game. They've been holding on to him for a while. They believed in this guy when there really wasn't much to show for it on film, and it finally broke through. So hopefully this is just the first game of many for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I really hope he this is his coming out party because the Redskins can roll into next year with, you know, whoever they have at nose tackle along with Lanier, Allen, and, and Ioannidis has elite pass rushers on the inside. That's going to be a dangerous defensive line if you throw in, you know, Kerrigan and Preston Smith out there as well. Oh, man. And not to mention whoever they pick up in the draft and and free agency, so they got a lot of a lot of potential here. And for him to come out and start showing what he can do, it's exciting. I know, man. I, I'm really excited. Like going into this week, I was starting to get down on the year. I was starting to kind of buy into what everyone else was. I was getting pessimistic. Man, after a game like this, it, how is, how can you not be excited about this Redskins team? Like I know they're injured, but they're getting their guys back, and it's just exciting around right now. It's so exciting for DC right now. Definitely, and this is one of those ones that you'd like to have in the bag for when it comes down to that late-season run, you have that win you're in. You know, this might be the game that they stole that puts them in a position that you can have a win you're in, not just outside looking in for the final three or four weeks. So it's good. It's exciting. we got to keep it going. Um, I'm glad they were able to go into Seattle and steal one, and hopefully they can get it going again and finish out, win out the, the division, and just hopefully squeak right into the playoffs. Exactly, and if you look at their, their last bit of their schedule, it's not near as hard as what it has been. Now, these next two weeks are against really good opponents. We have the Vikings at home, which is a winnable game, but again, the Vikings are a very good opponent, so that one's going to be tough. Their defense is perhaps the best in the NFL right now, besides the Jaguars, obviously. And then you have to go... I saw that coming, by the way. Yeah, I know. The Jaguars, wow. Yeah, I mean, hey, they got the new Legion of Boom down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> And then right after that, the Redskins have to go to New Orleans, which even when New Orleans has a down year, it's tough to go to New Orleans. And they're playing pretty elite football right now. Their defense is better than I've ever seen it in my entire lifetime. And their offense is clicking on all cylinders with Kamara and Ingram in the backfield. So they're going to be two tough opponents right there. But right after that, the Redskins have, like, the Giants, the Cowboys. So the Cowboys and the Redskins need to win. You need to win some of your division games. And then it's, like, San Diego, Denver, or my fault, L.A., L.A., not San Diego, uh, Denver, and the Giants again. Like, those are those are a lot easier games. And the Cardinals are later in the year as well. So you get you get the easier part of the schedule late in the year. So this big win right here for the Redskins puts them in position to kind of win those easier games and be able to get in. Yeah, you definitely, with these next two opponents coming up, the Vikings and the Saints, you want to try to split this and go one and one. It, it, it's tough to pick who, who you expect to win against because, like you said, the Vikings have – an elite defense, and then the Saints have, you know, you, you really want to get into a quarterback duel with Drew Brees, so hopefully they can continue this and then go maybe pick on the Vikings offense should Sam Bradford stay out, which I can't imagine he'll play next week. you got to go get one there and then go down, or what, are we home against New Orleans, or are we down there? No, we're down there. Yeah, we're in New Orleans. We're down there? Yep. Yeah, so that's going to be a tough game, but it's going to be tough, but you got to try to go one-on-one of these because 
go, like you said, then after that we have the Giants, who I don't think anyone's going to pick them to beat us. And then you have Dallas, who shouldn't, if they ever make a decision, shouldn't have Zeke. So yep. you definitely want to try to get pile a couple of these wins together and hit that easy stretch. Exactly. I I can envision it. The Redskins can be 5-5 five and five coming out of these next two games, which would be splitting these next two games. I can envision the Redskins finishing maybe 10-6. and six. Not Probably not 11-5 because you got to kind of throw in one loss there, but 10-6, and 9-7 at least. Because, again, the second part of the schedule is really easy. Down the stretch, the Redskins have a very easy schedule. So, you know, you could realistically see the Redskins winning 9-10 games, and that should be good enough for the playoffs in the NFC this year. Definitely. And this is one of the easiest you want to take advantage of it when you have the Packers, who aren't going to even be in contention. Mm-hmm. You know, the Vikings are good, but, you know, they don't have a starting caliber QB. So NFC South is, other than the Saints, is just a mess. So you got to try to really get those wins together this weekend. This is the year that you can go, if you make it to the playoffs, you can make some noise, you just got to get there. Exactly. And the big thing is, too, the Redskins will be getting players back each week, hopefully. We don't know, I guess I guess players can't get hurt when they don't play, which is good. So Brandon Sheriff should be back next week, among a lot of other players. Monte Nicholson, I think, will be back next week. Um, hopefully Breland will be back. So Or Breland played a little bit tonight, but Breland should be back to full strength the next week. So a lot of guys should be coming back as these weeks go along. It's just keeping them healthy, keeping them healthy for the, for the weaker schedule late in the year. But I think the Redskins have a good shot this year. I really do. Yeah, definitely. And I think once we get some guys back, we can get that offensive line back and healthy, at least as close to full strength because – you know, who knows if Trent Williams is going to play again this year. With him, you're never going to be as good as you could be. But if they can get a couple more of their starters back and that offense can start clicking and not having to think and dunk to Chris Thompson or hand off to Rob Kelly and they can start going down the field, I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off this defense that's got to be getting tired staying out there and doing all the work because these past two games, the the defense has bailed this offense out. This offense has struggled to move the ball. They've struggled to do anything other than dink and dunk and, you know, runs for one or two yards, so. Hopefully getting those guys back will open it up a little bit, get the defense off the field, and this team can start rolling. Exactly. I'm 100% with you. I know we kind of got off the the good there, but that was some good analysis there on the schedule coming up later. The last little bit of good that I want to mention, though, is how good this secondary has been for the Redskins this year. I don't think I've ever seen a Redskins secondary play at this level you know, since Sean Taylor played for us, and that was only because of Sean Taylor. The, the Redskins yeah. are firing all cylinders with the secondary. Josh Norman is a top five, top ten corner in the game right now. He is almost impossible to throw at. Rashad Breland, when he's in the game, is playing outstanding this year. He is earning cornerback one money in the offseason. Quinton Dunbar, who I think is going to be, I think he's a free agent after this year as well. Quinton Dunbar is showing that he could be a good cornerback too in the NFL, and Kendall Fuller has probably been one of the top slot corners in all of football this year. Kendall Fuller has his jump from year one to year two has been remarkable. Throw in there that you have safeties, DJ Swanger, who is the leader of that defense, who is playing really well now that he's more of a strong safety role. And then D'Angelo Hall had a good game tonight. And again, Monte Nicholson all year has been playing great. So this this Redskins secondary is actually legit. And I'm excited, you know, to see the, how they go the rest of this year. What's your, th- what's your thoughts on the Redskins secondary this season? Yeah, no, I think they're, they're definitely playing exceeding expectations. You, you mentioned Kendall Fuller. I mean, jump from year one to year two was incredible and I think that's what one of those things that Scott McLuhan saw when he took him in the draft and uh, a lot of people didn't see it with that microfractor surgery and everything so for him to come out and prove that he is that upper echelon slot corner really helps a lot and like you said Josh Norman doesn't show any signs that he's slowing down he doesn't have the, the big interception numbers and everything but that's because they're not throwing to him mm-hmm. so at the end of the day you know you want him on your side he's got a nose for the ball he's always around the ball DJ Swanger, he's one of my favorite safeties in the league. Since he was drafted, I, I you know, I traded for him on Madden and everything, and I just waited. <laughs> I was just sitting there, t- twiddling my thumbs, waiting for him to join the Redskins, and now he's here, and he's making me look correct. So, 
Love it. Love it. I like it. So DJ Swearinger is like to you what Monte Nicholson is to me. It was just all that excitement for one player like that at the safety position. I love it. I love it. How much do you think the safety play and the corner play is due to uh, Torian Gray coming from Florida? I, I was actually thinking about that too. You know, I'm not. I'm not obviously there seeing what he does, how he communicates with the guys and everything. But you have to imagine that Kent Fuller's improvement has come from him. Yes. I know D'Angelo Hall was advocating for him in the off season, so I think he's really helped it. I think. A big part of what has helped Breland come back from his down year last year is he said that he has safeties he can trust with Monte Nicholson back there and yeah. DJ Swearinger. So trust what's going on behind them and be able to just keep everything in front of them, not try to do too much, and it's, it's really shown. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that because I saw the Redskins this year. They were playing the sticks a lot better this year, especially on, like, third and long. I don't know if that's Gray or if that's Minuski, but the secondary and the linebackers include are playing the sticks so much better on third and long. And as a result, the Redskins' third down defense has improved drastically. And like you said – these corners are can trust the safeties, and that is a huge thing that the Redskins have needed for a while. And the last thing, to kind of touch on what you also said about Fuller and Hall, for those of you who don't know, Torian Gray was the defensive back coach for Virginia Tech for about, I think, like five or six years, maybe even longer than that. And then he went to Florida to be their defensive back coach for another, like, two years. So Fuller worked with him. I know D'Angelo Hall, when he went down to VT a couple times, he worked with him as well. So they're all very used to Torian Gray, and that was a great hire to bring him in. I don't really know what his impact has been, but all I know is this secondary is playing great. Yeah, and you have to – the only people who are really going to know exactly what he's doing is the people who are in the building every single day. But just as a fan watching the games, you have to feel that, you know, he's bonding with these guys. His strategical plan for them is just working, getting them to where they can trust everything, where they can really just – Breland's having a career year. Fuller, only he's in his second year, is having a career year. Fabian Moreau's gone out there a couple of times and showed some flashes. So I think mm-hmm. we're in a good spot with this secondary. And as long as uh, Torian Gray's there, I think we're in good hands. He seems to know what he's doing. Got a lot, uh, lot going on with these guys. 100%, man. I completely agree with you. Now, before we jump into the bad from tonight's game, which I don't expect will take very long, I just want to let you guys – I just want to remind you guys to rate and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. It can be the greatest review ever or the worst ever. Just let me know what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. So remember, rate and subscribe on iTunes. We are always on there. Just search Locked On Redskins. So to kind of get into the bad from tonight's game, I don't really know where to start with this because there really wasn't much. But I guess the prime thing to start with is the running game. What would, How much would you blame this running game on the backup offensive linemen or on the running backs? I think a lot of it goes to the backup offensive linemen. I mean, you know, they're backups for a reason. You can't do much with them. You can't expect for Rob Kelly or Samaje P. Ryan to go out there and carry the ball 20 times for 130 yards and a couple of scores. However, when the regular offensive line is in, the starters, it's not that great of a running game either. So I think we got to put a lot of it on. This just isn't a great running team. Jay Gruden wasn't great running the ball in Cincinnati. He hasn't been here. So for us to keep trotting out, you know, Samaje P. Ryan and Rob Kelly, it's, it's never going to get as good as we want it. So we're just going to have to grin and bear it. But I definitely think that they need to get going a little bit more. They need to figure something out or else it's going to be really troublesome to have Kirk drop back and throw 40 times a game. Exactly. I've always been joking around with my like friends and family saying, like, let's just have Thompson back there the whole game and have Kirk drop back in, in the shotgun 40 times a game. I know it's not ideal, but I mean, what are you going to do when Kelly's averaging, what, what was it, like one yard a carry tonight, 1.2 yards per carry tonight? Just something terrible. One thing I was texting my buddy about is that the way we run the ball is we need a better running back than what we have. Like uh, Samaje P. Ryan and Rob Kelly, they can get away on a Vikings offense or a Patriots offense where you can plug anyone in and they're going to be good running the ball. This team needs a above average running back, and right now we don't have it. So 
it's going to be really you'll have struggles, and you can't put Chris Thompson out there for 30 touches a game because he's just not going to hold up. Yeah, exactly. If Thompson was bigger, he'd be the perfect running back for this offense. He's dynamic. He can do everything. But sadly, he's just not bigger. So this is kind of a hypothetical question here. I'm just going to throw it in. If it were up to you, who would be the Redskins starting running back, realistically, for next season? As in, I could bring anyone in? You can bring in a, a likely free agent, a guy you might get cut, or you can draft a guy who you believe is going to be within reason. So you can't say that we're going to draft Barkley because we won't be picking that high. Yeah, no, I don't think we'll be picking Barkley. For the draft, I actually would throw out there the LSU running back, Darius Geis. Yeah. I know that he's still one of those elite backs and could be taken before us, but who knows where we're going to end up in with the quarterback year and the way that the teams are following this year and who's going to be picking where. There's a good chance he could get to us. I think he comes in as an instant upgrade. I, I can't imagine Latavius Murray after a down year like this. You know, I know Dalvin Cook's coming off injuries, and maybe he stays, but he could be on the roster bubble for them. So I think he yeah. can come in and help that big speed guy. I, I have no idea to tell you. I know Le'Veon Bell, he, if they don't choose to franchise yeah. assign him, he'll be a free agent. So it, it's, yeah, I got to get someone, though. Can't keep trotting out Rob Kelly or some IJP Ryan who doesn't know how to keep his arms open long enough to get the handoff. So <laughs> they got to do something. They got to make a move somewhere. I am, yeah, I'm 100 with you. They just need. I, I don't think they they keep trotting out these plotters, right? These guys are their plotters that can fall forward for three or four yards. Which, like you said, the Patriots offense is fine, but the Redskins they need someone who can create. Even if it's a guy like like what Jay Green had in Cincinnati, a guy like like Giovanni Bernard, who is not nobody special, but he can at least create something every now and then. That's what we kind of need. We don't need a superstar. We need somebody who can create offense for himself. Because we just don't have that with Kelly and Piran. If Kelly and Piran have a wide open hole, exactly. the most they're, yeah, the most they're going to get is like seven yards. It's not going to be exactly yeah, and we just can't trot that out every game if you expect to put up big numbers with and have like an effective running game in Jay Gruden's offense. Yeah, it's unrealistic to you know you can want a Le'Veon Bell or a David Johnson, but it's unrealistic to to have that. So I mean, if you can get a guy who just you have Chris Thompson who catch passes and run draws up the middle on third and long, but you need a guy who can, like you said, create a little bit for themselves because when you have a wide open hole, getting three or four yards because the running back doesn't have burst or is dancing around too much, that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, exactly. So kind of our last little bad that we were going to talk about here. I don't really know if you would call this bad, so I just kind of want to ask you straight up. What do you think about uh, Jay Gruden's play calling in tonight's game? Take a step back and just look at it as a fan's perspective. One starting offensive lineman. His running back can't do anything. He can't get he can't get play action. I think he looks at his play sheet and kind of scratches his head a little bit. He works with what he has, so I'm not too mad about it. But if it continues when we get the starting offensive linebacker, then I think we really need to have a conversation of does do we need to bring in another offensive coordinator and let him do head coaching stuff or what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Like it, again, it wasn't a horrible offensive night, but there was times where the offense was just stagnant. I mean, I was calling all week for the Redskins to go check down City just because I didn't want Kirk getting hit behind this this uh, injury this injury prone offensive line and this young offensive line. So overall, I didn't think it was as horrible a game. I mean, his play calling was great on the at the very end of the game on that last drive. He he isolated Doxon one on one with a rookie corner, which I was saying on the podcast the other day. That's that's what they need to do is need to isolate Doxon with with Shaq Griffin over there, even though Griffin's having a good year. You gotta isolate the rookie corner over there, and also when he when he got Brian Quick uh, open on that seam route, that was that was masterful play calling I think on both those calls. And when he you know he called the right plays when they need to be called, just like how we said Kirk Cousins made the plays when they need to be done. Gruden called the right plays when they need to be called. So I'm not gonna have a big fret with this game because a win is a win, but you do expect more out of the offense for sure. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I hope that he sees is that you don't you don't have to wait till the final drive where you could lose the game to throw it to your, your first overall 
pick last year, you know, who stretched the field with your receivers. So hopefully he sees that he, he'll get more comfortable in letting Kirk make a five-step drop and throw in the downfield, not doing these dinking dunks. You know, I think they a lot of, like, into with the offensive line being hurt, they don't want to have Kirk back there. But I think if they can open it up and spread the field a little bit, you see that it works even with guys down. And hopefully they can get that going and start doing that. Of course, man. I completely agree. All right, guys, we are just about to wrap this up. But, Nate, I just want to ask you, what do you think this Redskins record is going to be now? After we have all this hype of this big win, I know we're, we're going to be throwing some big records out there. I want you just to be really, really into this. What do you think their, their record is going to be? I think that they'll, they'll finish around 9-7. and seven. You know, maybe they squeak out 10-6, they can steal another game. But I just look at this team, the Eagles are pretty much uncatchable at this point. Who knows if Zeke Elliott's ever going to get suspended or not. So the uh, the Cowboys look like they might not slow down. You got the Vikings who somehow managed to keep it going. The Saints are looking good. You can't imagine that the uh, Falcons are going to keep having slow performances. So I, I imagine that this team is going to struggle to get into the playoffs, but they have to get to 9-7. and seven. They have to be able to push another winning season and want a chance, and I think they'll be able to do that. But I just don't know where the wins are going to come. Yeah, completely with you there, buddy. I mean, it's going to be a fun rest of the season, especially after this win. I know kind of if we would have lost this game going into these two tough games, it would have been a little bleak and a little miserable going the rest of the year. But big win for the Skins, big win for everything. Nate, you were awesome. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, tell people again before you head out uh, where they can find you and where they can follow you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Riggles Rag with Fansighted. You guys can go to fansighted.com slash Riggles Rag or just go to com. Also, follow, go to Breaking Football on Twitter. You know, got a lot of talented writers there, a lot of guys who do draft and daily fantasy stuff, so a lot of good information out there. Just make sure you guys hit those up. Yeah, for sure, man. I love breaking football. I've been writing there for like a year now, so you and I both right over there for breaking football. They're a great site, as always. I will always advertise breaking football on here. Thanks again, Nate, for coming on the pod tonight, man. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, guys, be sure to tune in this week. As I said earlier, we do have a lot of guests coming on. Robbie Duncan of the Redskins Capital Connection, Justin Gamble of NFL Draft Bible, and Josh Mensch of the Purple Report coming on this week. So be sure to tune in. It's going to be a fun week as we get ready for the Vikings.